Welcome to episode 42 of the Permaculture Pimp Cast, where pimp stands for permaculture is my passion. And we discuss preparedness, permaculture, and practical living. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Check us out on the Fountain app, y'all, where you can tip a pimp. Yeah. Fountain. It's a really, really awesome app. You can listen to any podcast you want. Really good all the way around. I mean, you can triple the speed if you want to, if you're like me. Or you can listen to it in regular time. I have a hard time listening to me in straight time. So anyway, this episode brought to you by Hickory Ridge Soap from TwoOldCrows.com. Turn that simp into a pimp. Bam! That's how we roll. All right, y'all, tip of the day. And this is all going to make sense. Well, it's probably going to make sense right now. And sorry if my voice is a little bit out of whack, y'all. I don't know what's going on. Um, went to the chiropractor yesterday, and it's like it's messing with my voice. I don't understand. Then again, I did do a lot of talking this morning with the family. So tip of the day, amass the things that retain their value no matter no matter what's going on with the economy or anything else. What do I mean by that? Well, right off the bat, think of the things that always retain their value. Now, I'm not dogging Bitcoin Although I will say at this time, I'm pretty, I will. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I see it differently. I see it differently. And what I'm getting, I won't go too far sideways, but this old Bitcoin thing seems like a big setup to me. It seems like a, it, it seems like this was a giant, giant setup. And we're not going to talk about that here, but I'm talking about the things, son, that like, okay, the U.S. dollar, things collapse. Is there any intrinsic value in a dollar? No. What about Bitcoin? Maybe. No. no, even less because you, at least with cash, you can burn it and keep warm if you need to. Well, there's that, but also gold and silver, they keep their intrinsic value, but you know, do they put food in your belly? Possibly if you can trade for it. Um, think about land. Does it keep its value? Think about the preps you have back. If you're listening to this, remember it's permaculture preparedness and practical living, which all of them kind of go neck and neck and one, one to another, like peanut butter and jelly. But think about the things you have put back. Do they retain value? Do they have any value? In the worst case scenario, do they keep their value? Something to think about. And I keep going right back to that story in Joseph. Well, well, the story of Joseph, where they didn't put back gold and silver, they put back food. And they got everybody else's gold and silver. They even got their freedom. I mean, they got their cattle. They became extremely wealthy. I'm not saying that in troubled times or crazy scenarios or whatever the case that's going on, I'm not saying that you should go out there and be some kingpin on the basis of other people's misery. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, you know what? In the worst of times, nobody traded a birthright for gold. They traded it for food. Right. So that's exactly what I'm getting at. So everybody is thinking, oh, I'm going to put back this. I'm going to put back that. Ask yourself, will it have intrinsic value if everything falls apart? Now, the effort of this show is not to keep things on a low key, but to empower you, to give you all the tools and things you need out there that's going to make your life simpler. In the words of Jack Spearco, if times get tougher, even if they don't, I just think this is a way to live. But ask yourself, a lot of these things out there, does your, does your stamp collection mean anything if things go sideways? No, it doesn't. Does your collection of bottle caps? No, it doesn't. 
unless you're going to melt them down. But I mean, the point is, think about those things, especially in these times that retain their value no matter what. All right. We'll drift on into farm news. Well, son, we got to flip some compost today, don't we? Yep. Flip compost and also prepare for the sheep that are coming and kind of, yeah, we need to prepare for that. Get the grazing. Well, we need to really get the the sheep tractor into an area where we can easily put the new sheep in there. Yeah, that's going to be, I don't know what, how big these sheep are going to be folks. If you don't know already, we're going to get some more sheep, some really, really awesome genetic. Um, I mean, these guys are genetically superior, still struggling on trying to find a good Ram. And that's really what we need. Hopefully yeah. from the guy, this vet that we're getting these from, He's got the number two. I remember the last time I saw him, he had the number two parasite-resistant ram on planet Earth. I don't know how they judge such things, but, you know, he was basically telling us all about this. And I'm like, okay, we definitely got to get some stuff from this guy. It's not cheap. So right now we've been uh, just clearing that that forest over there that's kind of junky. It's not junky. There's just a bunch of overgrown uh, trees that shouldn't be there. So we're thinning that out and turning that into silver pasture so we have more grazing pasture for the sheep. And also there's that tactical element involved as well. So, I mean, we're getting rid of, you know, Coco's going to find a new home. We already got him a new home. It's just a matter of them getting everything squared away so he can actually go there. He's a great bull. He's wonderful. And we've just changed our plans a little bit from the time we first got him. Okay, so why sheep? Number one, they're super easy to manage, especially in this terrain. And honestly, Coco will shock you at some of the mountains he's able to go up. Yeah, he's, a, he's able to go up some pretty steep terrain. I haven't seen anything he can't go up and graze. I mean, and we yeah. have got some incredibly steep terrain around here. I mean, he he definitely can handle all this. But there's also that tactical element involved as well. What I mean by that specifically is in... Ask yourself, how much noise will an animal put off? And think about it. Where we live on the side of this mountain, there's a valley nearby. You can hear a dog bark for, I don't even know how far, yeah. maybe a quarter of a mile or more. You can more. hear the bear, the bear hunters around here. Their dogs are barking like crazy. Yeah, and they may be a half mile away, and it just echoes through this valley. Well, okay, when Coco, he's out there doing yeah. his thing, man, you can hear him forever in a day. You can hear those cows across the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a tactical standpoint, it ain't making a whole lot of sense for us. So sheep, in terms of this terrain and management and the amount of time we have to allocate it to it right now cows don't make a whole lot of sense in the future they might but right now and considering the signs of the times it's just not making a whole lot of sense for us right now so sheep we can get way more meat out of them plus it's meat i want to eat i was never going to eat cocoa anyway right i think sheep taste better anyways um these particular kind yeah the um thing with the these hair sheep they don't have the lanolin in the meat so it tastes, I mean, you could do a blind taste test and I've told people before I've eaten both. I mean, you could try a, a, um, lamb chop from a Katahdin sheep, put that up against Kobe beef and I'll, I'll any day of the week, I'd take that lamb chop. Right. So why not raise more of what we eat? We can also get way more, way more out of these guys. Just a breeding pair will outproduce the, the amount of meat. I don't mean to go so much into this, but both basically we're getting out of the, bovine territory and more into the sheep number one they're easier to manage they're going to work areas that we need them to work and frankly it just makes a whole lot more sense for us right now so we're going to we're going to keep doing that also Sam, we got also and i know you're going to include it down below 
But a lot of people are hitting us up about consultations right now. Folks, i got to be honest. We are up to our eyeballs. We're about all we can do right now. Can't really do any more consultations, but we got a really awesome plan B. You want to tell them what that is, son? Yeah, so I'll refer everybody to Eric Sider. Um, he does these online consultations, um, and he's wonderful at it. He's absolutely amazing at it. Uh, a couple of people have already done it with him, or quite a few people have already done it with him, and he has they amazing rave about reviews. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so with Eric, you're going to definitely get the best of the best. I mean, he doesn't talk so much about his pedigree, but this guy's worked all over the planet. He's done a lot of cool things in every kind of imagine. I mean, in every conceivable environment you can think of. The dude's been there. He's done it all, and his attention to detail is second to none. You're never going to get a better online. Did we get anything out of this? Absolutely not. We don't get a referral fee. It's just so many people hitting us up right now, and we can't help you. So, Eric, um, honestly, in everything we know how to do, he might even be able to do it even better in so many different ways. And um, he's going to be able to get you squared away. So are we going to be able to link his contact information down below? Yeah, it will be. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. So another little thing that was covered in, um, this is still on the farm news topic. I went out there, I was out there getting pig food, what was it, day before yesterday? or No, it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And as I was out and about, there was, um, I ended up stopping by this place. I think I briefly talked about it where Michelle and I were invited to go and we get over there, come to find out it's a, it's a witch's coven. And I told you about the devil's trumpet that was out there. Well, I managed to sneak by there a little bit ago or yesterday. As a matter of fact, believe me, I got myself prayed up before walking into that battleground, walked over there and I'm taking a video, which I'll put on Patreon. It's really not something I could put on YouTube. But it's basically a Patreon video of uh, actually getting footage of that devil's trumpet and these people cultivating it. I mean, it just floored me. Huh. Absolutely floored me. Other things going on around here. Well, it's it's kind of a broken record here, but I got to keep telling y'all. I have to do it. Freeze dryer. It's running all the time. Canning. Uh, we canned a bunch of beef beef stew, and I think we got three gallons out of that. Plus, we got so much meat coming in. We got more meat coming in than we're taking out. So canning is a really good way of getting rid of that, y'all. And it's really an awesome preparedness tool. So if you don't have a freeze dryer, we sell those. Well, we don't. Well, we get we get some kind of commission if you buy it through us. But that's really not the case. If you don't have a freeze dryer. And I think you get a discount as yeah, well. I think so. But if you can get it through us, yeah, it helps us out. But honestly, that thing between the freeze dryer and the canner, we've been making that thing work overtime. So if you have, or right now when you got all these different specials that are going on, I want you to think about something here. Right now, I'm, I was in the store yesterday kind of poking around looking, and they got turkey for 99 cents a pound. Okay, you better get some of this while you can. Some of this other meat that you're able to get while it's cheap, get it while you can. If you can stock your freezer, but also think of that times where you where you know, it's that time we're talking about having the worst winter in a very, very long time. Uh, grand solar minimum, all that kind of stuff going on right now up there in New York. They're expecting what? Four feet of snow, something like that. Um, your mom said they were getting blasted already. So let's just say the power's out, whatever else is on. Well, if you had a bunch of cans of food that you might be able to use, well, there you go. So if you can get some of that cheap food right now, let's say you get a couple of turkeys, make some turkey stew out of it, can it. Canning is the cheapest, most cost-effective way in the food preservation, and then you can graduate on up to a freeze dryer when you're able. So if you don't have a freeze dryer, which is handy, 
I mean, it's wonderful, but you can't, you can process so much more with a canner than you ever could with a freeze dryer. So that's always my first choice. And plus, it's pretty cool to be able to pop a top on something and be able to eat it, even if it wasn't warm in the worst case scenario. All right. Well, son, I got the first chapter of that book done. And we had an email from someone really giving some awesome advice. I'll try to cover that in the uh, Q&A section. But yeah, I got the first chapter done. It was tough at first. I was up till O Dark 30. But it's like everything else. When you start working at it and you get on it, the thing is I'm so self-conscious about myself and thinking, okay, do I want to say this? What? I mean, it's not that anybody would care. I just don't see how it's relevant, but I did it, and I didn't go anywhere near near as deeply as I could have in that thing. So, how long uh, is it? Um, I don't really know. Um, I really don't know, but it's. I think there could be some more added to it. We'll let the editor figure that part out. Part out. All right, one last little thing. Man, I've been trying to work out, and my back, I had some back issue. I messed it up somehow or another over at Jason's house when we were there the other day. Mm. Went and saw the chiropractor, and y'all, I got like the nutty professor for a chiropractor. I ain't kidding. This dude, you walk in there, and he'll just come up with some stuff out of the <laughs> out of the woodwork, but he seems to know his craft. Your mom isn't too great. Too, yeah, isn't too fond of him. And I'm starting to just question chiropractic in general. And like the whole practice, I, I've got some questions about it. Son, I'm telling you what I had one up there when I was working in Kentucky, I couldn't even walk standing straight. Every step killed me. This dude not only got me squared away, but he, he ended up figuring out I was allergic to peanuts. And once he got that worked out, I never had any back problems again. Yeah, I, I get that part. That part makes sense to me. But whenever I go to the chiropractor and they're just expecting me to come back every two weeks for like indefinitely, clearly there's a problem that you're not looking for the solution for because I keep coming back every two weeks. Well, so that's the issue that I have with them. Well, just like everybody else, I mean, you're going to have good ones. You're going to have bad ones. But this one here seems to be good, even though I, he's got me worried about a few things. All right, we're going to move into the other news. All right. Well, I got to cover this because it's relevant. Okay, clearly, Carrie Lake and all the others got robbed. Okay, we live in a banana republic. We don't have the fidelity of our elections. Can that change? Hopefully. And then out of, you know, out of the woodwork, here comes Trump. Yeah, he's going to run too. Okay, didn't do much with the swamp before. In fact, employed a ton of swamp creatures in your administration. Don't know what anybody's expecting him to do. And then, we, of course, we get on down to, if you're seeing, a, you're seeing a thread here, this FTX debacle. We talked about it, I think, the last two podcasts regarding mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Bitcoin exchange. It's not Bitcoin, but it's these people. I'm, when I'm, the more I examine this thing, the more I realize it's not Bitcoin at all. It almost seems like a complete setup where Bitcoin is made to be demonized. And I'm waiting to see how this whole thing plays out. But it sure is funny. That both left and right, Mitch McConnell and the DNC both, you know, uh, cocaine Mitch is what they call him, right? Both of them somehow have been getting kickbacks and payoffs. I mean, good night, y'all. This is why I'm saying you better be prepared. You better have your powder in order. History is not very kind. It is not very kind at all to corruption. I mean, we're doing in just over 200 years what it took Romans two millennia to do. And it's not that it happens. It's that there is no punishment for the people doing it. 
So the moral, of course, I'm not, I don't give you a problem without offering a solution. You know what the solution is. Go out there and get yourself prepared. Now I'm going to get into some happy news. All right, this one here was sent to me by Bryce. He's a Canadian. It's a, I'm not actually jumping down to the Q&A part. He's a uh, Canadian living in Jamaica. In Jamaica, man. Anyway, oh, man. he sends me this uh, He sends me this uh, article, and I don't know if this is Jamaica's number one entertainment source. It's called The Star. And when I first saw it, I thought it was the other Star publication. And the name of this article is Kamar, the Roadside Farmer. Man, it's not a real article, and frankly, it's like they left off halfway, or maybe I just got half of it. But basically, um, there's this guy, and I think it was inspired partially because of some of the uh, guerrilla gardening we've talked about in the past. This guy basically got canned from his job in Jamaica, and um, basically he said the Chinese, he said, well, they wrote this article in Jamaican lingo, so try reading that. Uh It's interesting. This guy's a father of three. And he basically, when they got his money, the Chinese took over this sugar estate that he was working on. And so he said, all right, me get redundant. That's what he says here in this article. And they actually wrote most of this article in that lingo. So it makes it makes it really tough to read. What does that mean? Well, he says, basically, it sounds like um, the Chinese were like, hey, man, uh, thank you for your help, but raise up. And mm-hmm. so they, they fired him or laid him off, whatever their version of it is. So he goes over here. He says he buys a little, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, um, Kalulu, and which I looked it up because I'd never heard of it before. It's Kalulu, which is basically like some kind of, it looks like some kind of green, mm. like collard greens, and um, and some pak choy seeds. My man goes by the roadsides, and he is out there guerrilla gardening. Check this picture. I, I know it's a little inside baseball, y'all, but basically my man is out there. We can link the article. We can link. Oh, we can do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's pretty cool, but yeah, it's an interesting read because it's in his language. But look, y'all, here's a guy that in his world now, okay, in Jamaica, or where he is, they don't have as far to fall. So here it is. This guy lost. You could say everything. He's got three kids. It doesn't say if he has a wife or whether she works or whatever the case may be. But he needed a plan B. So he got off his butt, went out there, became a farmer, and he's doing all right with it. He's saying, you know, in a nutshell, if I understand the Jamaican lingo correctly, it sounds like, you know, he's basically putting bread on the table. He's making a living. So imagine if that same sort of thing would have happened to most of the people we know in the United States of Amnesia, that would feel like a they were in the middle of a depression. This dude is in Jamaica. They don't have anywhere near the social safety nets, I wouldn't think that we have here in the United States of amnesia or even Canada for that matter. And he said, you know what? I'm going to get out here and I'm going to make a go of it. And he did. And he does. How cool is that? So son, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead yeah, and I'll link, link that, that down below. So the point, the bigger point that I'm trying to get at here with this article is that take the previous things I said regarding the news, whether it's the Cary Lake, I mean, not just Cary Lake, but I mean, Anybody with any with two brain cells, and I'm not a Republican for those thinking, oh, I'm some Republican. I'm not. I'm not a Democrat either. I'm a libertarian, and I got to keep saying that, or somebody's going to think I'm some lunatic partisan. I can't stand either side. But you see the corruption going on in that Kerry Lake campaign. Um, you know, Trump's running again. What you're just going to put another group of swamp creatures in there? You got this FTX debacle, and you're finding out Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi. 
everybody in the leadership all the way up and down either side of the aisle is involved. You're seeing all this fall apart, but then again, you see this ray of hope. You see this farmer out there who lost everything. Or he didn't say, I'm inferring a certain number of things. But basically, he lost his employment. And his plan B is pretty doggone awesome. And each and every one of us, in the sound of my voice, have got to start thinking about a plan B. That's what I'm talking about, son. How do you like that jam? That one's better. better. I don't remember what it was last week, but it was whack. That first song you picked? Man, get Alvin out of here. Alvin something. Alvin. Alvin was jamming, dude. Alvin wasn't jamming. He was jamming. So, hey, um, so Fabulous Thunderbirds, for those that don't know, they had some jams back in the day. Stevie Ray Vaughn's older brother, Jimmy Vaughn, was playing guitar on that. Nowhere near as talented as Stevie Ray, I didn't think. I mean, in fact, not even in the same galaxy when it came to guitar talent but anyway i digress main topic here y'all and it all ties together as always there's four ways to spend money okay four ways to spend money and it's going to tie into the government and all this stuff and i'm going to ask you to seriously consider these things you're thinking okay how cool a topic could this be what does this have everything to do with permaculture it all remember permaculture preparedness practical living four ways to spend money Okay, so the first way is you spending other people's money on other people. Think about that. You're spending other people, imagine yourself spending other people's money on other people. In either case, neither cost nor quality matters. Think about that in terms of the government. Okay, that's exactly what you have going on. Imagine you go into the VA or Department of Interior, it doesn't matter. You're spending other people's money, tax money, on other people. So you don't care how much you spend, and you don't care if it's good or not. Does that seem like a reasonable way to spend money? Not to me, it doesn't. Then you're spending other people's money on yourself. And by the way, this is all uh, Milton Friedman 101. Spending other people's money on yourself. Now think about this. I got other people's money, and I'm spending it on my interest. Well, the cost clearly doesn't matter. Because it's other people's money. And I'm spending it on myself, but quality sure does, doesn't it? So in which case, either one of those in this quadrant really isn't an efficient way of spending money unless you're taking, and I'm talking about in the most, um, I'm talking about in the general sense. I'm not talking about you per se. I'm just saying in general. Spending other people's money on yourself, cost doesn't matter, but quality does in a massive way. Then there's another way, spending your money on other people. Well, cost matters because it's my money. Okay? Quality less so because I'm spending it on other people. That's not perfect, but it seems a little bit better. And then there's the final quadrant, spending your money on yourself or your interests, where both cost and quality matters. So I'm thinking about this in terms of your taxes and in terms of you, no matter what area of your life in which you spend money, it falls into one of those quadrants. 
Which one to you, son, seems the most efficient? Spending your money on yourself seems to be the most efficient. Or spending other people's money on yourself. Yeah. But we'll say, in the general, if you had to pick one, spending your money on your interests, without a doubt, is the yeah. most efficient way to spend money. Right. So, with this understanding, and that's the truth, y'all. That's about as true as it gets. So, does it make sense for you to spend your to send your money to Washington so you can have other people spend other people's money? You ever wonder why hammers cost, you know, $1,000 a piece when the U.S. government's buying it? Because cost or quality doesn't matter. You ever wonder why, well, some of you may not know this, but in that last Gulf War, let me tell you a little something. Whenever a Humvee would have a flat tire, this is exactly how it went down. Whenever a Humvee would have a flat tire, you would think, okay, just change a tire. No, because Halliburton and all the other contractors over there were on what was called a cost plus basis, meaning that the more money they spent, the more profit they made. So was it in their best interest to just fix that tire? No, they'd go out there and blow up the whole doggone Humvee. I mean, armored vehicles, it didn't matter because they made more money the more money they spent. So you're sending your tax money off for other people to spend it on other people. And then, of course, you got the grifters along the way that are, you know, patting their pockets along the way. So in terms of your own money, and I'm saying this to a lot of the other uh, permaculture, let's call you, in the past I've called you sanctimonious, and many of you are, and it's doubtful that many of you are listening to this program right now. Yeah, 40 episodes in, they've been, definitely been <laughs> weeded out. Or maybe they saw permaculture in the title, and they thought, okay, I'll go ahead and tune in. And you're finding out that I'm turning everything you thought you knew up on its head. Because at the end of the day, this fair share is another way, son. You seen where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this fair share does is, has never and will never make sense to me because it's too ambiguous. So that could mean any number of things depending on who you're asked. So let's say as a farmer, I got my crop. And let's say it's a crop of tomatoes. Now, let's say I render unto Caesar, that's in quotations, and I'm paying out in tomatoes. Well, whoever Caesar's henchmen are, when they distribute or redistribute that stuff, do you think they care about the cost or quality of it? No. Only you care, you care on your farm more than anybody else. So to sit here and take your resources and send them off for somebody else to redistribute, does that make any sense to you at all? No, it really doesn't. Instead, you could just distribute it yourself. <laughs> Wouldn't that make the most sense? Yeah. There would be less waste in this world. There would be less consequence for bad things. So why do, we, why do we feel as if we have got to send it up to some regulatory body or some central source to redistribute all this stuff? It makes no sense. It doesn't even make bad, good common sense. The best way to spend money or your resources is you distributing all this. Look, I'm not going to spend. We got a lot in the Q&A, y'all. That's something I really, son, is there anything you want to add to this? Because by and large, so many of the people in the permaculture space, I've talked about this before on the, I might have touched on it a time or two on uh, YouTube, but I've never really gone into great detail about this because everybody thinks I got to take my tax money. I got to hand it on up. Forget a bunch of that. Keep it local. Yeah, especially if you're, like, the biggest argument is, oh, we won't have maintained roads and stuff like that. The people who are going to maintain the roads the best are the people that live in the community, not the senator that's 
distributing these pork bills so they can get kickbacks and whatnot. That's exactly how it goes. So if you want to, if there's another key in stopping corruption, but also for those of you out there that are thinking, oh, I got to, I got to do this fair share. I'm just going to let anybody come up here and pick my tomatoes and take them. Well, what's to keep that person from coming up? Let's say you got blueberries out there, picking all your blueberries and then go selling them on the corner for a profit. You can definitely do that. There's a lot of people. There's a few people in Texas that do that. Over in uh, DCAB, there was that one guy who was selling produce. He was the only guy selling produce on the side of the road over there. Yeah, but what I'm saying is if I got a farm and somebody comes up, steals my blueberries, and I'm just assuming that they're, they're going to eat them, but then next thing I know, they they took my blueberries. Oh, I got what you're they saying. They go to the farmer's yeah. market, and now they're out there pimping out my blueberries making a profit. Well, okay, so that corruption could have been mitigated right from the get-go by – not allowing that person to just come in and help him or herself to whatever I have, where it would have been a much better um, exchange if I were to control everything from start to finish. Right. This is exactly what I'm getting at when it comes to, um, it's, it's a sickness. I'll be honest with y'all in the permaculture world, this fair share. Um, there's one lady that's in the Pacific Northwest. She has a YouTube channel and frankly, every time she pops up, I don't know why she keeps popping up. And then like a complete dummy, I end up clicking on it. Well, that's why she keeps popping up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so what is this idiot going to say now? And she is an idiot. I mean, man, if I told you the full extent, I, I can't say it behind this microphone right now. But if you knew, it's like, it's no different than, I remember going to this farmer's meeting I was telling you about a little while ago. I might have even talked about it briefly here, where I'm in here. I'm the only, quote, person of color inside this meeting. And everybody in there is like pandering to me. It, it was disturbing to watch. They're all pandering to me, talking about food inequity in a black system, in, in black neighborhoods and all this stuff. Them not knowing my politics, not that that matters, and them not knowing my, um, my farming acumen. They don't know any of this. But as they're saying this, you can see them peer out of the corner of their eyes looking for my approval like they're expecting me to shake my head or something. They're talking about the food inequity in the black systems, and they exist. And then in the same breath, this one lady who lives maybe five miles away from here, she's in here talking about, after she got finished talking about the food inequities in the black community, talking about how she can barely put bread on the table in her own household. White lady. And I'm thinking... Not a very good farmer. (laughs) There you go. And then also each one of them, and I think I was telling Eric Sider about this, when we were on the telephone one time, um, how every last one of them could not survive if it weren't for grants and subsidies. Not one farmer in that room. There, in fact, they were in there saying, "Oh, you can't! I can't feed my chickens. I can't afford the cost of feed." And I'm like, "Well, hey, I got this system over here. Jeff Lawton invented it, and they were just, nah, it, it ain't gonna work for me." I'm like, "Okay, well." Another guy's talking about how pig feed is going through the roof. I'm like, hey, dude, um, I feed pigs for free. Uh, You know, they really need to be giving me my tax money. Okay, well, guess what? If you're out there taking that fourth part of that quadrant, spending your money on your interest, and maybe these things wouldn't be happening. Because, frankly, these people are out there glad-handing and expecting handouts. You're supposed to be farmers, and you're out there. If you can't exist without a subsidy, then maybe you aren't farming correctly. Right. Yeah, especially if you're a farmer, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to rely on these things no matter what kind of environment, no matter what kind of land, no matter what kind of climate you're in. 
you should be able to function without these. Well, son, think about the craziness about this. Okay, so you're going to text the bones out of me. 50% of my income. I mean, dead serious when you add it all up. So let's think about how efficient this is. So you take my money on a federal level, state level, local level, and in places like Massachusetts, boy, you get your paycheck and you think you're making $100 an hour, man, you find out you're making less than you were in Texas. And I can tell you that from experience. That's another thing altogether. But so you tell me this makes any kind of efficiency. They steal your money, which by the way, y'all, that is serfdom. They steal your money in the form of your labor, your tax. They steal that tax money, put it through the federal machine, and then they turn back around and give it to you in a subsidy? What kind of sense does that even make? And these people that I'm talking about, whether it's, um, you know, these polecats in Washington, D.C. in Congress, or whether it's Trump or that moron they got in there right now, I mean, they're, they're perpetuating this idiotic system when if you just let me hang on to my money to begin with, I would have distributed it much more efficiently than having it go through all these grifters up and down that chain before. And so these other farmers are sitting here waiting for a handout they sh- that they shouldn't have even had to wait for in the first place. Yeah, a farmer shouldn't be hungry. Everybody in the world needs food. They grow food. <laughs> if you're doing it. Yeah. If, if you're doing it right. Yeah. Well, take this lady and all the other people in that room, and I'm not going to say who they are, but... Every single person in that room, I was the only farmer. There may have been 30 different farmers in that room, and I was the only one that wasn't getting subsidies. Not saying that if you do, I mean, honestly, I look at it like Dave Ramsey does in a lot of this stuff, where if they're going to give you, if there is a way for you to get tax money back, you're a fool not to take it because it's just getting back your tax money. So if they're offering it, you're best to take it. I agree with that, but you got to also look at the strings attached. You know, you get into some of these loans, Like that guy next door, yep. they put up. That's exactly what I was thinking of. He stuck with that property for, I don't even know how long. 10 years. 10 years. You let him come in, put up a fence for you, and now you're on the hook for 10 years. You you don't even own that property. You can't even do anything with you. So you got to look at that fine print. But honestly, if it weren't for grants and subsidies, there is not one farmer in that room that could make it work. But she's in here talking about food inequity in a black community. When, lady, you're over here, you, you got two kids and you're saying you can barely put shoes on her feet. You're barely making it. You can't even feed them, but you're worried about what's happening in a black neighborhood. Maybe if you kept more of your own stuff, your own money, your own product, your own stuff from their farm, maybe you would have some of this stuff. Instead of feeling, I don't understand why people feel like they need to render under Caesar just to turn back around and beg for the crumbs that you just gave. Right. I mean, how insane is this? This is why I'm talking about, I know it seems like it's not a sexy topic, And admittedly, it isn't. It isn't. Very few people want to talk about money, but there are four ways to spend money. That's it. And ask yourself, every time these politicians want to talk about taxes, go back and think about what Milton Friedman said. Yeah, I got a love-hate relationship with the guy because I'm more of an Austrian dude, but when you get down to brass tacks, it is ingenious. There are only four ways to spend money. And which is the most efficient? You spending your money, you using your crops, you doing whatever it is in your own interests. Are you not going to look after your neighbors? Because I do. Are you not going to look after the old folks around you? Because we do. Are you not going to feed those people around you? Because we do. And I guarantee there's a lot of you out there that would be doing exactly the same thing. So when they start talking about this, this tax money and rendering on the Caesar, 
I'm saying, okay, those things exist right now, but maybe I ought to run for president, son, you think? Yep. Put a pimp in office. Put a pimp in office. That's right, because they ain't a bunch of, they're all a bunch of hoes up there anyway, looking at how they can grift off money all the way up and down that system. All right, y'all, when we get back, we're going to get into Q&A. That's what I'm talking about, son. That is a jam. Yeah, that one's better. Well, well it was just, I mean, they all had the same, man. The I like version. that song more than the, the previous one. Well, I like them all. All <laughs> right, son, right out of the gates, Q&A. You want to go first or you want me to? Well, um, well, <laughs> some of these are statements, maybe not so much questions, but they're really clever. I've got one about roadkill. Okay, go ahead. All right. This is from Jed. Uh, he said, well, it's that time again, time to tip a pimp. Well, yes, Bam. but that's not that's not my topic. Uh, I'm talking about deer and rut. Distracted bucks dead all over the road. My state does allow taking it as if I need permission. Assuming it's a fresh kill, do you take the opportunity to fill that freezer, or is it not worth it? If so, what special measures do you use on the meat? Often it has been bled out. What so often it hasn't been or it hasn't bled out whatsoever, which concerns me a little bit. Anything extra pr- to processing roadkill? Well, I'll be honest with you. Every time I come across roadkill that I'm able to get, it usually, okay, for example, right now with deer being in a rut or just about done with it, there's going to be a lot of deer getting, you know, hit on the side of the road and otherwise. So what I typically do, I want to grab it, get it back, and I'm going to take those bones, especially if it's a deer, because bone sauce works even better when I can use the bones of the animal I'm trying to get rid of or keep away. So what I typically do is all that meat's probably going to go to the dogs because it's hard to determine how long it's been sitting there. And plus the blood is still inside that animal. Almost certainly it hasn't been bled out. So that's going to be a problem. Um, what if you hit it <laughs> and if it was I, fresh? Well, I can tell you a story about a guy named uh, Kyle Haley where that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a funny story I'll lean into. Um, if I hit it and I, of course, have my firearm with me at all time, I go out there maybe – it depends on the situation of where it is. I would discharge my firearm, put that animal out of its misery. And then if that, I still would be reluctant to hit it because it was, it died under very, very, very stressful conditions. Possibly. So. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, any, I don't think anything's wrong. If with you go in there, that way. if you like open up the cavity and you notice that there aren't like a bunch of busted up organs and stuff like the, that would be my concern is like, okay, did I blow out the intestines on this, That's on this deer exactly or something like what that. I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see any harm in it. I've just, whenever I've come across them, they've always been a little bit ripe and I've, I've either given the meat, I put the meat in the chicken tractor on steroids. I've done that before the guts, all of it. I've taken the chicken tractor on steroids, but this is roadkill that I didn't personally do. It was somebody else. So yeah, if I, let's say like if I were to hit a deer, I think, I don't know. Depending on where I hit it, I think I'd try to take it home. Man, I'd wind up like that Tommy freezer. boy. You stick that sucker in the back of the car and he comes back alive and he's kicking holes up through the roof. Well, hey, these, uh, the deer, when I was helping Justin pick up that mill earlier this week, we saw more deer dead, like 
on the road than I ever have before. And not just dead. It's like they got hit and were dragged. I don't know what was going on, but there were a ton of deer um, on 81. There were a ton of deer on 81, and it looked like there were streaks. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the same sort of thing when I was going to town yesterday. Bunch of dead deer, but then it's that time of year where they're everywhere. And it's, frankly... I grew up in Kansas, Dad. I it know. was never this bad. I know. I know. <laughs> this was... This is crazy, and uh, but back to his question, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I mean, if I hit the animal and I did it right there, but there was this guy, Kyle Haley. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you about this. My man, I mean, he was one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. He had just bought a brand new truck, <laughs> and I was working with him back in Oklahoma. I was his apprentice, and I can't remember, I can't remember where he lived exactly. Bought this brand new truck, and then bam, on the way home with it, man. ran into an entire herd. Dang. <laughs> Hit him. And he was at the bottom. He described it. He was going down this one road, and it was at the bottom of this road that he ran into him. So he said, man, I got out of there, and I had this. He had this 44 Magnum in there, and he said, man, I had them black talons in there. I wanted to see what they was going to do anyway. So all them deer that were hobbling around half dead, he went over there to put them out of their misery. He went over there. He said he shot about three of them, and they're all laying down there in the road. He said about that time he hears skid marks. All the other side, he said, man, down at the bottom where he was, he said, on each side of that hill as he looked up, there was people turning around because they saw this, what they thought was a crazy dude just down there <laughs> shooting deer in the middle of this road. They didn't know what had happened. Kyle, he brought this truck to work, dude, and I was like, that's a brand new truck, dude, and it's already busted up. He told us his story, and I'm like, man, I feel bad for the deer, but imagine all these people. Imagine. They just pull up on the scene, he said, man, he sees everybody on each end of that side. They're pulling back around, driving the other direction because they think some crazy nut jobs out there shooting these deer or with what, handguns. What about like the people who come in after the fact? <laughs> see these pile of deer on the side of the road i don't know what i mean kyle was an old man that, he was an old salty dude i don't know what he did with him that's funny because i never did ask what he did with him that's but anyway funny. going back to your central questionnaire if i like william said if i hit the deer i'd probably go out of my way to do everything to treat that meat with as much respect as possible because frankly to be honest with you if you just got hit by a car, there's a good chance that that animal didn't see it coming and didn't even realize the gravity of the impact. So yeah, it, yeah. it's probably going to be all right. If I could do it, if I could do it respectfully, I'd get up there, bleed it out, come home. And the ultimate respect for any animal whose life you take is to treat every single part of that animal with the highest respect. So all the bones are going to go in the bone sauce. And those hoofs, man, those are really, really, they, I mean, that really puts it on another level. So it basically, I can use them to repel the other deer that may want to eat my trees. Right. All right. Look here. Um, I, I can't read it all because it's lengthy, but uh, I think it's Jean or Janine. Um, she says, hey, Pentmaster. In a nutshell, I'm just going to basically get through it. She basically gave me links. Um, talking about the struggles I was having with that book the last time. She gave me these links that were very, very helpful. And I want to thank you so much for doing that. And um, what are the links like helping like creative juice or what? Well, talking about these other people that wrote some pretty uncomfortable things. Oh. And, um, you know, one of them has to do with World War Two and uh, J.C. Duggar. I remember that one, A Stolen Life. Man, I don't even know if I could read that book. I mean, that's a story you probably you were little when all that happened. This girl was basically abducted, as I recall. And came back around years later and the horrors that poor girl had to go through. I don't even want to know, but 
there's a book out there and these people wrote some pretty uncomfortable things, but, um, I do appreciate it, but I did manage to go ahead and get that part of it all squared away. Oh, here's a comment from, uh, Eric on the fountain app. Sadly, it seems there will not, there will not be mass change in mentality until there are no other options. Starvation is a serious motivator. Cuba is a great example of what, what happens when you have no other choice. Their fossil fuel tap got switched off basically overnight and they had to switch to small scale permaculture type agriculture. I think our responsibility is to create as many safety nets as possible before the coming fall less painful to make the coming fall less painful. I totally agree. And that goes right back to what we were talking about in concern with regard to money. Yeah. Okay. And also regard to your things, I'm saying money, but it could very well be your property. Okay. Let me say it another way. Four ways to, cause money to a certain extent is kind of your property. So it's, what is the best way to distribute your property for you to hand this? Okay. Think about this. Is it better for you to take that? You may not be able to do it because you don't have the connections or resources, but is the distribution of your extra tomatoes or blueberries or whatever, or apples, whatever it is you have, is it going to be more efficient if you do it or if you take it to a food shelter? Now, ideally, you're going to have less waste if you do it. You're going to distribute that stuff. And frankly, at that food shelter, that's remember, that's other people handling your stuff. So at that food shelter, there's going to be a fair amount that goes into the dumpster, but they may have more access to more people. But at the end of the day, you are the most efficient use. You are the most, you are the most efficient means to distribute your stuff, not a second, not a third, not a fifth party. So that goes right back to it. But I agree with Eric as always. I mean, that's Eric Sider he's talking about, y'all. Yeah, this is and the kinda, this is the guy giving the consultations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're dealing with a genius right there, and he's a good friend, good mentor, all the way around. Uh, wicked smart in so many different ways that'll blow your mind. And um, really, that's exactly what we got to create. We got to create a bunch of what Joel Salatin calls fiefdoms where we have our own little enclaves here and there. Maybe you have a mutual exchange network out there where you work with the people down the road, which we have. Yeah. We have it. I mean, uh, Justin grows the grain. Think about this. Justin, in, in terms of one neighbor, this is Justin. And by the way, everybody who's reaching out to me, he, Justin is fine. He's just been up to his eyeballs in so many different things. So all the people that are reaching out to me asking if Justin's okay, he's perfectly fine. He is just... Y'all, he, he's trying to put, he's trying to raise two girls. He's trying to put bread on the table. He's trying to make a living and he can't always get back to you or do YouTube to the extent that he would like. He's, he's fine. He's just beyond busy right he's now. He's got shorter days just like everybody else right That's now. That's right. So he's got to get done as much work in less time while the sun's shining. So he's just not had any opportunity, but going back to the point. So within our little enclave, and we'll just use Justin as one small example because Ben and Denise live not from uh, Renewed Homestead. They live mm -hmm. down the road. We got an exchange network with them too, where we help each other, whether it's in the form of labor, whether it's in the form of, I mean, we've gotten chickens from them. You know, these Beal Felders. Yeah, those we got Beal those. And then, you know, when they came over with their chickens, we already had the plucker and everything going. It only made good sense for them to bring their problem birds over here for us to put in the pot, which, by the way, I need to drop off to them. Um, when you look at this and you weigh it all the way out, and you look at this thing 30 ways to Sunday, just within the ones I'm describing, like Justin grows, let's say the corn or the mm -hmm. sorghum, he turns it into something that is improved. It's value added. So he makes flour out of it. Michelle turns back around and makes me some ball and biscuits and gravy. 
um, out of some of that small grain that he made. Or she makes some uh, grits or whatever the case, and then we all benefit. So it's those little enclaves like that where we're going to find, and that's why Justin came up with this whole thing with the mill. And folks, for those that are being impatient, he's trying to put some hours on this thing before he commences to building a bunch more. He's got to put it through its paces. He's got to have it grind a while before he knows that all the bugs are worked out and before, before he replicates it. But exactly what Eric's talking about. We've got to build these partnerships. Don't have to do it all, but you better have some people around there that can work with you. All right, son, up next, big country right here. Um, he says, do you have a brand of wool socks you prefer? Also, the strawberries y'all use as ground cover. What cultivar are they? I really don't know when it comes to the strawberries. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think mom had like four different cultivars. Um and the different cultivars also, uh, they produce fruit differently. Like some were ever-bearing varieties. I think the ma large majority of them were ever-bearing varieties. Um, and then there were some that like gave up a bunch of fruit all at once. So yeah, so, that's about as close as I can get to you on the cultivars. Yeah, I don't remember where she got them. But strangely enough, we got them from Maine. And we sent some to some friends in the south. And we're going to see just how far away these things are. Uh, hopefully, they're as invasive for other people as they were for us. Yeah. Now, as far as the uh, socks I got on, I wear, uh, we've talked about it before, Cloudline, they give a lifetime warranty, but I'm finding out these, look, you use these wool socks. You don't want to stick them in a the dryer. You really don't. Um, oh, also, so dad wears those, what were they? The wool ones? What did you call them? Cloudline. The Cloudline ones? I have darn tough. Oh, darn tough. These ones, um, the ones I use are these Duluth. I've been trading, trading over to these Duluth socks, like the, uh, the cool ones and they keep your feet nice and cool in the summer and they actually work. Like they, they actually work. What are they made out of? I don't know. I don't know, but it's like the stitching is different. Well, son, I can tell you this, nothing but natural fibers touch his body. If it ain't silk or wool, I ain't wearing it. Y'all Dad, you got plastic headphones on right now. You know, I don't wear, you know, I don't wear cotton. Anyway, <laughs> um, natural fiber. Dad. I'll go, <laughs> it better came off of some animal or spit out the mouth of some. We're a dead animal. Yeah, it better be some animal. Um, hey, this I got another one here. Uh, saw your video about putting. Um, this guy um, was asking. His name is Chris. Saw one of your videos about putting this on fruit trees and the deer won't touch it. What is it and how do I get some? It's called bone sauce. Um, Sepp Holzer, the guy who not invented it, but basically made the world. Uh, aware of it um he called it bone salve in his book and he makes it it's i make it kind of that way i don't really we invented a method that makes it stronger way more concentrated we call it bone sauce and you can get it at our website at permapasturesfarm.com and it's linked in the description as well bam i got a comment from yahweh farmstead and dad it looks like you own you owe a uh knife set to whom to yahweh farmstead Billy, the book of Jonah, chapter three, the people of Nineveh repented and turned to God, avoiding destruction, not having to go through the crucible of hard times to change. Is that knife set still on the table? LOL. Love the podcast. Keep up. Keep it up. And God bless y'all. Hashtag nice, tip of pimp. Nice try. But what happened to Nineveh years <laughs> later? Yeah, nice try. But for that period of time, <laughs> no. he, they repented and avoided destruction. <laughs> yeah. Jonah went there, laid it down on him, but they ended up. Look, they were depraved. They just put it on hold for a while, and then later on, destruction I, came. I think we need to bring in a third-party judge. Where's mom? 
Well, she ain't here, but hey, <laughs> I, I'm but no, arguing a, for you, Yahweh. No, on Farmstead. No, I, I think I think it, that's a really good. I don't know if it's a he or a she or both, but um, I think I think that's a very good honorable mention. And don't think for a moment I didn't think about that. I didn't include Nineveh just because they ended up getting the destruction anyway. So, so does he win it? No, he doesn't win it. <laughs> Are you sure? No, back to the drawing board, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Sorry, here. man. I argued for you. Well, I got another one here about, wow. Uh, I have another one from on the fountain. This is the last one from fountain. You ready? Uh, this is from B Lynn. Um, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. I a hundred percent believe that Billy. I think this was a horrendous. I think it was horrendous. What happened to the Jews and the Christians during the war. But I think I know the reason there is no other museum. The others don't look like most Americans and Europeans. P.S. I am a small part Native American as well. Do you think that's? Do you think that has? I I kind of get where he or she is going, um, but then also knew the background is like more of the background as far as like World War II and all that stuff. I don't think it has anything to do with race, color, or anything like I that. I don't. I don't think so either. And in fact. Um you know, there were, there were more favorable comments regarding that last show. And we didn't even go, I trust me. I gave you one, one hundredth of what I know about some of these things. Um, I will say we could have said some things on there that would have pissed everybody off. Well, only if you're not at first, well, no, only if you don't examine it. So, yeah. and we're not going to go there now because frankly, most people are just not in any way, shape or form, open to hearing the full extent of what's going on here. Now, as far as these other people not having Holocaust museums, um, like I said, I mean, it's awful. It's awful. Death, one death is bad. Six million is awful. A hundred million? You mean nobody thought about putting anything out for all the people that uh, Mao killed? Stalin? I mean, we don't even know. I mean, I think the last count on the number of people Stalin killed was, and not to mention his predecessor, I mean, was 11 million? And that's conservative, but I don't see a museum and I don't see any, I don't see it. You can talk about the Russian revolution. You can talk about all these things, but you can't even, there's people out there that ask critical questions and you should be allowed to regarding anything. And they get deplatformed like nobody I've ever seen before. I'm just saying there, you know, I don't think any one group has the market cornered on hardship. And I don't think that in any way that they should. Well, here's the crazy part about it is that the Holocaust happened over there. Like there's a whole ocean between us and them. It happened over there. And we have multiple Holocaust museums. We have one in D.C. We have one in L.A. We have one in a lot of different cities. Not L.A., uh, Louisiana. Um, there's, we have one in a lot of different cities. And that's an event that happened over there with other people. The Native American genocide happened here all over this country. 12 million at least. Covering the country. On so for the city, for each city to not have like, okay, here's what the Native Americans were like in this area. Or here's what they were like in this area. Instead of that occurring, that there, instead there's Holocaust museums. You know, under Andrew, John, Andrew Jackson, um, big fan of a lot of what he did. And I'm not sure that he, he deserves all the negative press that he got regarding the Trail of Tears. It was awful. But you had what they called the five civilized tribes, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee Creek, and Seminole, basically taken from the East Coast and dumped off in Oklahoma, where they are to this day. 
you know, what's left of them. There's still remnants, you know, around here, here and there. And the horrors that happened on that trail of tears, not just that, and the intentional genocide in so many different ways, that's barely even discussed in our history. Like you said, son, that happened right here on American soil. Show me the Native American. The closest thing I ever saw was when we were at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, and there's a little plaque there from from an event that happened. But, you know, I don't see a museum. I don't understand why one group of people gets the the market cornered on all the horrors that have happened throughout humanity. And I'm not saying, well, hey, these people died more than these. Well, why not put them all in one museum? Like I said, one guy, where's the native section up in here? Or it doesn't even have to be, I don't think it has to be all in the same museum. But why do we have more than one Holocaust museum in the United States? It didn't even affect, like it, it did not affect the United States until we made it affect us by going into the war and stuff like that. But it doesn't, like the, the Native American genocide of the United States is part of the backbone of the United States. And we have zero museums regarding it right and as far as that that verse they gave in there i would i would suggest um, i would suggest that you read the entire scripture that you cited there um i don't think it was in criticism or anything like I'm that i'm not sure well there that that verse is often not misunderstood but not looked at it looked at in its totality and what it's saying there um so i would ask you to also examine that as well um Got another one here. This guy, uh, Arden, I know we spent a little time on that one, but and maybe we can come back and touch it a little bit more. All I'm saying is I'm asking critical questions as to why we are not even talking about the Armenian genocide for crying out loud. Like I said, Pol Pot killed a whole third of his population. I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm just saying, why don't we why don't we shine the light on things that happen right here in the United States of Amnesia? Maybe that's why I call maybe that's why Gore Vidal called it the United States of Amnesia because we don't remember our own history. We really don't. Murdered how many natives right here on this ground intentionally. What's and- the benefit to forgetting that? What's the be- what's the benefit to forgetting that um to not hold that record? Well, just like it I'm is not, for all I'm the not disagreeing no, you're, no, with you. No, you you're making a very good point there. I see where you're going with it. Well, the benefit is that we are it makes it that much easier to read well, it's cliché as it is and it's true that if you don't know your history, you're destined to relive it. And what people don't realize right now is the things that are unfolding right now. If you understand a little bit more, look at the work of Anthony Sutton regarding World War I and the bankers that were involved in World War I, World War II. You can see all that overlaying right now. Now, we haven't necessarily had an Archduke Franz Ferdinand moment, but... You can see where the tinderbox could, I mean, the same script, they don't even, the same cliches, the same scripts, the same everything, because nobody was there back in 1914. Nobody was there that's alive right now. So everybody's forgotten about it and nobody looks at history and we make history so boring in school that nobody says, Hey, Hmm. Um, is there an overlap to what happened back then to world war two to what's happening right now? Nobody looks at this stuff. And so here we are going right back down. Instead of smallpox blankets, they gave us vaccines this time. Bam, (laughs) bam. That's my dog. That's what I'm talking about. All right, son, we're going to miss some of these questions, man. If I don't get on it, you have more on your end. I know I do. That's it from the fountain. All right. Arden says, well, comfrey die in the snow or come back freaking out about he wrote country here, but I think he meant comfrey. Freaking out about comfort. He started some seeds. Uh, let me just get to it, man. Yeah, it's going to die back. 
Um, there ain't no two ways about that. It'll die back. Also, the seeds, if you did start it for com- from comfrey seeds, uh, there's a possibility that that's not actually comfrey, uh, especially if you order those seeds online. So I would double check your uh, supplier for the seeds. Yeah, ask us how we know. Well, and you also, if it's seeds, you most likely got a common comfrey, which is indigenous to the United States. Uh, the comfrey we grow is Russian Bocking number four. So obviously that doesn't come from the United States. But it is uh, more favorable to the, it's less bitter to your animals and stuff like that. So depending on what use you're wanting to use the comfrey for, uh, you might want to change the variety of comfrey that you have. But we know for sure that our comfrey uh, won't die in the winter. The leaves the leaves will uh, decompose a little bit. They'll turn black and die back a little bit. But the plants themselves survive. And yeah, it'll come busting out come spring. Don't yeah. worry, they come back. Um, and you can still plant it as long as you're able to work that soil. Okay, man, we got a really nice card and the P.O. box from uh, Steven. Wanted to give him a shout out. He sent me an email here making sure that we got it. Yeah, I was going to give you the heads up uh, through the um, through the pimp cast. Thank you so much. And he tipped a pimp through the snail mail. Man. How about that? Thank you so, no- thank you so much, my man. I was going to thank you anyway. Um, here we go. We got some more here. Let's see here, son. Do you have anything? You, you're all done with the fountain app. I yeah. thought you said you had a bunch more comments. Well, I have. I have some. Uh, yeah, I have some smaller comments. If you want, yeah, to go, go ahead and hit some of these people okay. up. Um, like not in need of rulers. Yeah, that took me a minute to figure out that name. Um, I love money. It allows me to easily exchange value. Also, Aaron has quite the large ego, which is good and makes her more fun to listen to. Who, Aaron? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron T. Scott. Yeah, I can't wait to have her back on. In fact, I got to reach out to her. Um, and Poe Boy says, "Tip a pimp, put the sleazy folks on blast. We need to know who to stay away from." Which sleazy folks? Uh, that was in reference to the last episode. the The answer has arrived. I can't. I don't see. Like, I at if what he's talking point? Talking about the YouTube people. I wonder if that's what he's talking about. Uh, maybe I. I don't know. I can't see the timestamp of when you guys are commenting. Not that I necessarily need one, but so, for some. Uh, for some of these comments, it would it would be helpful to know at least when it was made. Um, another from Agatha Raisin. I started great. Uh, I started gardening 18 years ago, and I remember saying this was a great skill to be able to grow food. And if hard times ever came by, I'd be ready. Uh, basically, everybody was laughing. She was even laughing, and now she's still planting and she's still enjoying each day, growing skills and enjoying each day. That's exactly how we have to look at it. I mean, you know, the, we live in some weird, strange, some would even call dreadful times. I mean, we're heading up on some hard times. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. But we don't, this is why, just in this pimp cast alone, that's why I pointed out what I did regarding put back those things that retain value no matter what. And Yozik, he apparently is on board with you with those hot fries. All he yelled was, or all he said was hot fries with the exclamation point. Tip a pimp. Stay alert, stay alive. Bam! That's my dog right there. I don't there. understand what it is with these hot fries. Oh, I saw those hot fries. I understand what you're talking about now. Those anti, the, the blue Andy bag. Cap. Yeah, yeah, man, that felt like air. Yeah, I man. picked up the ba- the bag. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing in them. There's already a product that's got mostly air in it. The only reason I knew there was anything in it is because it made sound. <laughs> I shook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like you picked up a bag of air, but you know, when you add up the inflation and the shrinkflation. I mean, I don't care what they're saying in the stores. In fact, I, I took a picture just yesterday that they Michelle wanted me to pick up some celery, 
And I went in there and I'm driving. I'm like, okay, there's no celery, but they've taken all the carrots and filled up. You know that picture I showed you? Yeah. They took all the carrots and filled up the celery and the, and the, the section would have been the celery and the celery hearts to make it appear. And then if you go down the aisles, there's a lot of different brands that aren't there where they've spread out to not, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess having blank space in the grocery store doesn't look cool. Here's what I'm thinking. Well, actually, it might be super beneficial to the grocery store because everybody's panic buying. So that, that there's that tactic that some of them might be playing as well. Also with the, the grain shortages and stuff like that and the corn shortages. And we've mentioned it before in this podcast about doing the one burst. They're producing like one to two bushels per acre. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 I think that I'm starting to believe that that is that statistic is controlled and they're trying to force this uh, scarcity mindset as far as food goes. If you think about it, all the all the land that Bill Gates and all his little cronies just purchased up didn't do anything with. That's zero bushels per acre on how many thousands of acres? Right. Just, I don't. I forget what percentage of farmland he purchased, but yeah, they, he did nothing with that. So that's zero bushels per acre. You take into consideration everybody who didn't even try because of the fer- the cost of uh, fertilizer. You also take into the consideration the people who didn't try because of the cost of diesel or because they thought DEF was going to run out. If you take in all those factors, I don't think that we have, I don't think that drought is causing an insane uh, corn failure the way they're they're pushing it. And I think they're just trying to create the scarcity mindset. So that way, whenever they stockpile all these foods or they create this, this, uh, this starvation mindset, there's a reason they can blame it on this. They can show the statistics and they can blame it on this drought because there's a guy in North Carolina who just set the record for number of bushels per acre in corn. Yeah. But on the same token, I wonder if it couldn't be a combination of both because Justin knows of some folks that couldn't even sow their grain crops because it was so dry up in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, yeah, all the way up to South that Dakota. Yeah, we hear those stories. So it could stories. be a combination of both. Yeah, we hear those stories, but you almost hear you almost hear farmers it's there's also something about farmers where they will look for something new to complain about each year. So there's that aspect as well. It's like they yeah, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that a lot of this is just controlled. It could be. There's a lot of controlled, contrived, and all kinds of weird things going on out there, son. Let's go ahead and cover this one. Sean, um, he says, uh, here's my question. I'm looking for for raw rural land in southern Alabama. Tornadoes and floods and even hurricanes can happen. And what would be the best good permaculture approach to mitigating the risks involved with these weather events so my house doesn't get pimp slapped in our next (laughs) county? I reckon an earth-bermed house would help a lot. But it's also likely that, okay, so check this out. So he's got all this stuff. He's asking, you know, it's hard to say for sure what to advise you on when we haven't seen the property. Right. I don't know where it is in terms of elevation. Um, frankly, down there, I'd be looking for the highest thing I could find as far as elevation. I wouldn't want to be in bottom land, um, not with all the dumb stuff they're pulling right now. As far as homes to build, like Earthship, I mean, they they survived the earthquake in Haiti. Uh, survived that, remember that uh, earthquake in, what was it, like 2006 that happened in Thailand? The ones that they yeah. built out there in Indonesia and all that stuff, they yeah. survived those. Um, I mean, Earthship really is a very, very resilient house. Uh, that way, I mean, your power is still on lock if the power goes out. 
Your water's still on lock. In fact, you just filled your tanks if there was a hurricane. Well, he was wondering how to tie swales and ditches in there, and oh. that can all be engineered into it, but it's really, really, really difficult without actually seeing the property to tell you how to go about it. But generally, what I would like to do, if I know that I'm going to have, I would prepare for the worst flood listed on record. That's what you always do when you do these things, whether it's a pond, whether it's a swale, no matter what it is, you prepare for the worst possible event. And when it does happen and down where you're talking, depending on where you're talking in Alabama, um, you know, it could be, it could be something else on another, on another level. So I would definitely put in a robust home and the locals there are going to have a better understanding of what that might look like. Well, you take bear independent and he's finding out like right now with that disaster in Oklahoma, every stick built home is utterly wiped off the face of the planet. But the ones that had stone exteriors, well, they're still sitting there and they're a little harder for a storm to deal with. But like William Sam, maybe an earth ship is in your cards. Maybe it isn't, but I would definitely, definitely not situate my house in any bottoms. And I would also consider, you know, some passive heat, you know, facing south, yeah. if, if it makes sense for you. Also, if you're thinking about having to deal with that much water all at once, I would use swales as like an emergency redirection. Exactly. Um, so like you want to slow that water down. I don't know what kind of you know, slope you're dealing with and stuff, but you want to slow that water down and redirect it. So you can, yeah, like there's only so much we can do um, just over this podcast, but just think of using the swale to redirect it, to slow it down, redirect it. And in the pond, you can capture it or use that to, to redirect it again if you wanted to. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, it, it, it's not only a tree growing system, it's also putting the water where you want it. So you want to think about that. If you're looking for bare land, I would definitely, most importantly, man, location, location, location. I definitely wouldn't be in any bottoms anywhere. No. And then make sure your spillways are large enough. Yeah. Um, we got another one. Last one. Um, Thank you for all your videos. I've learned so much from you and your family. I've got some laying chickens and planting fruit trees and berries in Michigan. I've ordered and planted comfrey from you. Thank you so much. And by the way, if you need comfrey, folks, check out the website. Uh, looking to incorporate your permaculture into the next spring. Okay. I know you're a freedom guy and love this country, so I'm going to share some stuff I've learned that you might be interested in diving into. And uh, he says, given the state of the government and the things, okay, do you think we're heading... Ooh, shoot. Okay, in a nutshell, um, he's talking about a freedom issue. And that's really what we get down to and the nature of what we're going into right now. He says, basically, he's learned that basically Americans have been tricked into a feudal system, which is volunteer slavery. That's kind of what I was describing with your money, you dig? That's kind of what I'm talking about. When When they're taxing your earnings, that is... Um, it's just de facto slavery, but most Americans have been raised in this environment and they don't know the dreadful things that all happened in 1913 under the uh, Woodrow Wilson administration and all the nasty things that happened as a result of that, that we're living today. And like I said, a little while ago regarding history, if you don't know this stuff, if you don't, you were raised in this tax system. So you generally don't know anything else. You really don't. So when I'm president, we're going to change all that. Yep. Federal you, Reserve, get the step in. Here's one thing I request from dad president. 
Here's one thing I request. Uh, reinstate dueling. <laughs> reinstate dueling. It's going to be a way politer society out here. Yeah, man. We can slap him across the face with a glove. Yeah. I demand satisfaction. Step outside, nephew. Yep, no proxies. That's what I'm talking. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody's standing in. No proxies. All right, y'all. We went a little bit long, but thank you so much for checking us out. And don't forget, leave that review out there. Till next time, stay alert. Stay alive.